0: incredible place. don't go back to my place, unless you're incredibly
1: fit. Hello and welcome to the Horror Court Trash Over Podcast, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash-to-pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And as at uh, the start of this episode as uh, confirmed, we are talking about a remarkable woman today... My name is Sally Ross. Ten and a half out
2: of
1: ten. This is the second episode of Pride Month, and we're bringing you something very different to last week, in that last week was obviously Nightbreed, and uh, the representation was rather positive, and this uh, varies. (laughs) Yeah. um, We're talking about The Fan. The Fan. uh, Released in 1981, directed by Ed Bianchi who directed only one of film? This is his first film, and it was 10 years before he directed another one, which was off and running. Um, That's with Cindy Cyndi Lauper. It is, it is. And, and that was his last film that he directed. Mm. He has gone on to TV success, though, with Bates Motel, Boardwalk Empire, Mad Men, loads of popular TV shows he's directed episodes for. Uh, this is made on a $9 million budget, which I think went entirely on the musical in the last act. Uh, it made just over $3 million. Yeah, I think all that went on Lauren Bacall's paycheck. Yeah. So, <laughs> of course, we are going to do our What Makes This Gay segment. Before we do, let's spill some tea with some trivia. Uh, a hit that has had to be brought in to put Michael Bean in a trance for his death scene at the oh. end. He couldn't stop blinking. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, That's dangerous. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Michael Bean, this is his uh, first major role. He, he obviously went on to success with uh, Terminator and Aliens, lots of other random action sci fi films <laughs> after that. He, he ended up being typecast more for Terminator than, uh, than this. Because no one watched this. <laughs> How can you be typecast in a film that no one watched? Uh, there's a scene where he shares an elevator with Maureen Stapleton, and she actually has a fear of elevators, and it got stuck whilst filming. Oh, And no. she had to crawl out of there.
2: Oh, no. Yeah. The legend that is Maureen Stapleton.
1: Yeah, we have an Oscar winner in this film.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Laura McCall was given a um, honorary Oscar as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a high-class cast, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. James Garner, he's, um, I believe he's an Oscar nominee.
1: Very well, well made as well. Produced by Robert Stigwood, who produced the likes of Grease, Jesus Christ Superstar, and Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. It's, it's a high-class thriller, and there, there were quite a few around at the time. Mm.
2: Um, I thought of it as Opening Night, uh, the John Cassavetes film. hmm uh, ...meets stress to Kill. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. so. It's, it's a high-class thriller. It, it's a slasher film. I well, would definitely say it's a slasher this film. This is what I was
1: going to get to next. Originally, a psychological thriller only... Um, ...based on uh, Lauren Bacole's character's life... ...and obviously an obsessive fan. That was pretty much it. It didn't go much further than that. But then the studio... As, ...as of last week's episode... ...the studio saw some success with other films from around that time... ...and they wanted it to become a slasher film... More so like dress to kill. Yeah. Um, so they eyes on added Lord more Mars. It was giving me eyes on Yeah, more Mars yeah. as well. Yeah, so they added more violence into it, a few death scenes and whatnot. Um and which she, Lauren Bacall hated. Yeah. yeah. she, she
2: absolutely hated where yeah, they went with she, the film.
1: She has derided the film. Yeah. Um, James Garner publicly. said it was
2: the worst film he's ever starred in. <laughs> um the only saving grace was working with Lauren Bacall. Yeah, um, Maureen Stapleton. <laughs> I don't think she's addressed the fan directly, um, but she's one of these actresses. He he's like,
1: well, I went there. I did my job. I cashed the check. All was done. <laughs> yeah, um, production had to be delayed because Lauren Bacall had chicken pox. Oh yeah. It was nominated for a Razzie for the song Hearts Not Diamonds. Very harsh. I very, think very it harsh. was So uncalled for. <laughs> yeah. It is one of the greatest songs of all time. <laughs> uh, we'll get we've got a lot to say about the musical sequence, we'll get to that when it comes to it. Um this was controversial due to Storkins' harassment, shootings, and assassinations from around that time. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and I think to make it into what people saw as a cheapo. It wasn't a cheapo, but a cheapo slasher film. Mm. And it's not, compared to now, it's not very violent at all. No. Um, But there was backlash in the fact that this stalking was not played out like a straight drama. Mm. Um, It played out like a horror film. And um, they thought they would sort of um, make in light of maybe a very serious subject at the time. Mm. Um, which I could see, I, I could see that um, it, it's very over the top, um, very camp. Um, it, it's hard to take the film itself very seriously. Yeah. Um, and if it's during a time where that subject matter was very serious, then I could understand why people were a bit up in arms about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was based on the novel by Bob Randall. Um, which, which was wrote, it, I believe it was released in 1978, published in 1978. Yeah, I so, I mean, that had been in the, in the midst of all.
0: Yeah. And the by all accounts, and his, so.
1: it's a, the novel was written
2: solely in letters. Mm. Um, forgive me. I don't know the word for a novel that's written like that. It's been used a few times. Um, but. It's the, the novel itself was more of a psychological thriller um, with these letters being sent to um, Sally Ross and from Sally Ross slash her secretary um, becoming more and more as the film went on. Mm. And as the novel went on, excuse me. This is touched on in the film, but
1: it, it's different. It's very different to the novel. And uh, Anne Bancroft... Elizabeth Taylor and Shirley MacLaine were all considered for the role of Sally.
0: Yeah, I
2: think it was meant to be an Elizabeth Taylor film. Mm. It, didn't, it happens a lot with, with, with films um, in general, really, is that a style becomes attached to it and it just never happens. Um, and then a few years down the line, um, someone else takes the role and it's a completely
1: different film altogether. Yeah. So... Into our new Pride Month segment, what makes this gay? Well, I mean, for starters, he, Michael Bean in this film is a stan, as is modern kids call it. He yeah. is he is a stan. Yes. He starts off just admiring her, like many of us gays do, with, you know, the likes of... Uh, for a more mainstream audience, Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, you know, I me mean, for us, like, Sigourney Weaver, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. You know, he, he starts off as that. Um, there is an infamous gay bar scene um, that pretty much the only scene that people know this film for, um, which is problematic. There's the fact that he actually only, Douglas, Michael Bean's character, only starts killing people after he comes out of the closet, quite literally, yeah it, it can <laughs> yeah. be seen as 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 usual with a lot of horror films in the 80s and 70s and 60s the gay characters the killer that's something we see very often yeah. but at the same time there's a lot here for the gays you know there's obviously big fancy sparkly costume musicals that were absolutely given me life um it's over-the-top camp. It's it's, it's it's like it's targeted for a gay audience, so that's the positive for it. There's a lot to be enjoyed here, but it's just the representation is very questionable. Yeah. So what's your take on it?
2: Um, well, we, f- throughout history, um, gay men in particular have always um, had an affinity towards these big female stars. Yeah. And... Um, you know, Betty Davis, Lauren McCall herself, you know, they, they're kind of not being religious yourself, these are the kind of people that we worship, mm. you, you know, and um, that, that's not stereotype everyone's, not everybody's the same, but it seems throughout yeah. sort of LGBT history mm. that these are the stars that we look towards, mm. these strong female. Uh, actresses and singers and more often than not they're allies
1: and they support gay rights yeah you know you look at judy garland yeah they become gay dorothy you know that's Mm. what
2: people were called back in the day a friend of dorothy um i it's a difficult one because it is it's weird because you can't we can't sit here and say that douglas was a gay character in the sense of he, his letters to Sally Ross become more and more um, sexual
1: as the film goes on. But then, what you can look at that is that it's kind of like him trying to get more attention. Like I mean, you could look at the letters as him finding, trying to find a way of acceptance by somebody that he looks up to, and then he breaks as as he doesn't because he brings in the sexual side of things once he doesn't get a response.
2: Yeah. I think how it's been read and sort of how I would be inclined to read the film is that Douglas is somebody who is gay Mm. but doesn't want to be. Yeah. He hates himself for his homosexuality. He's pushed everybody in his life away. Um, He has this great love for Sally Ross, the the screen and Mm -hmm. stage actress. Um, He's a stan a huge fan, and he's, in his mind, trying to make that fandom into something sexual Mm. to repress his true sexuality. Yeah. Um, Which is really problematic. Oh, yeah. Because this repressed sexuality leads to him becoming a psycho killer. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's the same, it, it's very similar, I believe, to Dressed to Kill. Dressed to Kill, yeah. Where whenever, this is a spoiler for Dressed to Kill, um, but whenever the Michael Caine character mm. was sexually aroused, yeah. in his head, he acted out in a violent way, mm-hmm. um, dressed as a woman, and um, I think it's very similar for the Douglas character is that whenever his homosexuality came to the forefront, mm. that's when he acted out. Yeah, which explains the gay bar scene. Which explains the gay bar scene. Now, the gay, we'll get to the gay bar scene, because mm. there's other reasons for that to have happened. Yeah. Um, but that's how I read the film.
1: Yeah, and that makes sense, yeah.
2: That he's repressed, and so repressed, that he ends up acting out in a violent way, which is a real problematic. Oh yeah. Way to depict. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it makes it frustrating the for the rest
1: of the film because the rest of the film, you know, as I said, it is a really camp enjoyable. Film. You I know. Do
2: you think it's a camp film that didn't know it was being camp? Hmm. Do, do you... I? I don't know I so much. I mean, look at the may, musical bit. I mean, we're looking at what almost uh, forty years now since the film came out. Mm. Um you know do you think that the film was deliberately being camp or we just read it as camp now because it's so silly i mean when when they wrote hearts not diamonds i'm pretty sure they weren't looking for a razzie award nominee no, no. um hearts and diamonds you know it's not a great song no um but it's enjoyable to watch from a our standpoint. Yeah, we enjoy that cheesiness. We enjoy that camp, that over-the-top nature. Yeah, but I'm not 100 percent sure if the filmmakers were deliberately going for that, or that's how they saw
1: Broadway at the time. <laughs> that's how they looked true, at musicals. True, but I mean, at look the at the time. The, look at the dance rehearsal scenes. Yeah, the, even it's... even the dialogue is like over-the-top camp.
2: But you, you get,
1: you know gay characters within that. Hmm. We're
2: assuming, you, you know, sorry to stereotype, but there were some camp characters hmm. in that Oh, her dancers are definitely gay, there's no yeah. doubt about that. Well, she seemingly dates one. I'm not sure what was I, going I think on she, she was just taking him around ev- everywhere with her to get back at her ex. Yeah, but I'm assuming he was a straight character. Maybe. Um, but he did wear wifers though. <laughs> he did. was in the early 80s though, weren't everyone? All... Went to the YMCA and wore white friends. I think
1: mean, maybe as a gay character. There we go. <laughs> the, um, I mean, why do you think she sings Hot Love Baby Tonight then looks at her dancers yeah, and then sings no, no Love, Love Baby, Baby Tonight? tonight? <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but none of these
2: characters are ever looked at um, in depth. Except so <laughs> for we... the problematic one. <laughs> yeah. So the the only sort of character that can be read as gay is the problematic one.
1: And it's ridiculous, he's actually the least interesting part of the film. I'd <laughs> rather have had no Douglas and just watched this film about her life story. Which is what Lauren Bacall wanted yeah. you to do. So it is,
2: it, it's, it's a weird film <laughs> in the sense of, yes, it is a slasher film. There are scenes where people are murdered or cut up on the subway. Um, but then it's sort of interjected with... This story of Sally Ross, who's an ageing actress, doesn't like the fact that she's ageing, um, who's got an ex-husband that's still in her life, still a friend, but she thinks that maybe the divorce was a mistake. Mm. That's your story. Yeah. And, and for me, that's more in tune with um, Opening Night, mm. um, which is a wonderful John Cassavetes film. Uh, I would recommend that film yeah. to anyone wonderful um I mean it doesn't have a never say never musical sequence no, but... it doesn't No, <laughs> but because you have this story of Sally Ross um with these forced sort of thriller notes, yeah i I've already enjoyed it, I like both, <laughs> yeah, stick them together it, it, does it work does it not work? I don't care, I'm entertained yeah. for you know an hour and a half um. But
1: that's me. Clearly, an audience in nineteen eighty one was not entertained. No. <laughs> um, so, getting into the plot of the film, uh, as we've explained, Douglas, a record salesman who works in a record store that only plays songs by Coventry bands, weirdly enough, <laughs> yeah. uh, is an obsessive fan of actress Sally Ross. When his letters are rejected, he strikes out at her and her loved ones. And we start the film with a very dramatic soundtrack and a picture of Lauren Bacall slaying and then a title card. The soundtrack is pure just Brian De Palma. Even Jaws. What well, it is it,
2: Pino DiNaggio. Um forgive me if I pronounced that wrong, but Pino De, uh, DiNaggio worked a lot with Brian De Palma. Yeah. He did that wonderful score for Carrie. Mm. Uh the score you can to, tell Yeah, the score to this film is one of the best aspects. I, I think it's criminal that he's never won an Oscar. Mm. Um, I I really do because I think all of his scores are wonderful. Yeah, yeah, and it it's definitely one of the highlights. It, it, of this it film. is.
1: It is very Hitchcock, obviously. The Palmer mm-hmm. Spielberg. It's 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 just really big scale. Yeah. Um, Douglas is Sally Ross's biggest fan, and he wants nothing from her. He only the only thing that matters to him is her happiness.
2: Yeah, so we start with him at the typewriter. We see him at the typewriter. On yeah, one, we get his, his narration. And, and that's your reference to the novel. Um, and he, he says, Oh, I despise those pathetic people mm. that
1: intrude upon your privacy. He'll stay awake until any hour in the morning to watch her films. Yeah. He's and- brought a gorgeous new frame for a new picture of her. <laughs> yeah. She's <laughs> singing next to uh, the president playing the piano, I believe. Mm hmm. Uh yeah, he hates people invading her privacy. She's his biggest inspiration, and he wants her latest photograph. I mean, the fact that she's his biggest inspiration that, right off the bat, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you need? He, he might as well have been dressed up as so. a. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the mirror. <laughs> um. So, Sully is signing autographs, and uh, she yes, yeah, all her, all the fans outside the uh, the theater for her latest show. It's called tomorrow. Yeah. But it's called It's Called Tomorrow. That's the name of the show. The show is called It's Called it's Tomorrow. Called Tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so she's outside signing autographs. It's the last performance, isn't it? Yeah. Of It's Called Tomorrow. And a girl steals her pen. So she just yes. got her own pen. The girl steals the pen. Douglas is watching from a, a, quite a few metres away and trips the girl <laughs> <laughs> as she's running off with the pen. And
1: nabs it for himself. Yeah. And, and that, we do see that girl again, by the way. We don't, know. Um, no, not the so pen thief. He, he writes another letter. And uh, in the meantime, Sally's taking off her glamorous outfit. Uh, she's getting ready for bed. Yeah.
2: So the, there's a scene in the elevator as she's going to her apartment where she, she looks in the mirror. And um, La- Lauren Bacall, as, a, as an actress, was, she was very much against... Um, plastic surgery. Mm. Um, I've, I've seen quotes from her basically saying, you know, the lines on my face are, are moments in my life. Um, so she, the funny part, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, um, but in, in the script, she's a 49 year old actress, about t- mm. turning 50. Uh, in real life, Lauren Bacall, <clears throat> excuse me, was already 57. Yeah. And she does look close to 57, let's be <laughs> honest in the film uh but she looks at herself in the mirror in the elevator and she you know you can see because she's a wonderful actress Lauren Bacall just a look and you know is she too old for this shit basically yeah basically she's asking herself in the mirror is she too old for this shit is she past her prime should she be doing this we find out that she's Gone from this play, she's about to do a musical. Mm-hmm. Musicals are obviously very um, dance orientated and singing. You know, is she capable of doing this? And 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 a wonderful actress like Lauren Bacall can do all that with one look mm-hmm. in the mirror, and she does. It, she's definitely the highlight of this film. Yeah,
1: I I find it I find it more uh, empowering that she hasn't had all this work done and that she you know she looks fifty seven and it doesn't stop her from doing all this. Uh, yeah. She wears these glamorous outfits. She does... All the singing and dancing in this film is her. That's, oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Know, yeah. She, and she looks great. That wasn't me going, it. you know. Um, but it's about a 10-year difference. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure I can get away with uh,
1: telling people I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, she goes to her apartment. She's getting ready for bed, and she... Uh Right, I mean, we still get the narration from Douglas. He understands she's busy, but he's not happy about a note you got from her secretary. That bitch. So Sally calls up her ex-husband, Jake, and has a conversation with his answering machine.
2: Yeah, so he's he's not there. Again, you get this sense that Sally misses Jake, um, missing the life that they had together. Yeah. Um, it's this intricate scene of these two very lonely people. Mm-hmm. Um, Douglas, who is in a very small apartment, and Sally, who's in this big glamorous apartment, and she's glamorously dressed for bed, and she's pining over her ex-husband. Y- you know, two very lonely people interjected together yeah. in
1: this scene. The next day, uh, Bow, who is the secretary... Played by Maureen Stapleton. She uh, sends a new photo to Douglas and apologises that um, he already had the previous one. Her and the uh, housekeeper, they sing happy birthday to Sally. And they can't decide if she's 45, 47 or 49. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> so this
2: is back in the day where actresses could get away with lying about their age. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, with the internet, that would never happen no, now. No, no. I don't think anyone could get away with lying since, about their age.
1: Since Anastasia exposed lying about your age as a thing, you just can't get away with it anymore. <laughs> so Jake wants to have lunch with her. Yeah. And uh, Douglas thinks Bout needs a good talking to because she called him one of Sally's fan club. But he's way more than that. <laughs> In of a stand club. So, yes.
2: Yeah, so, so, Belle is um, uh, Sally's secretary. Uh, Belle is played by Maureen Stapleton, uh, who actually won her Oscar the same year that she starred in this film. I'm surprised it wasn't for this film. Well, not for this film, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it, it all begins with a back and forth between Douglas and Belle. And she's fuming. She's like, who the
1: hell does he think he is? Because,
2: yeah. obviously, Sally Ross was a big star, you know. Yeah. She was a big Hollywood star before she went to the stage. She's got got time to read all her posts,
1: all her fan letters. So, uh, yeah, Sally meets with Jake and uh, explains that she has a choreographed dance routine in her new musical in bed and she can't decide if she wants pyjamas or nightgown. (laughs) And she asks him, how's Little Red Riding Hood? And then starts uh, throwing shade at his new girlfriend.
2: Yeah, so she's she's feeling a bit down about... So she's got this performance in bed on the stage show and as we see later it's with um a few topless dancers yes <laughs> some very very uh camp camp but, but young and mostly you know, oiled, oiled up dancers <laughs> and she's essentially you know asking herself is this all too ridiculous <laughs> am I will I be a laughing stock yeah um if I have to do a performance in bed at my age in
1: a nightgown you know, spoiler alert! It's not a laughing stock. It's, it's not amazing. a laughing stock. <laughs> um, yeah, Jake says he wants to marry his new girlfriend, and uh, she says, "Quick, let's find something funny."
2: Yeah, she does this thing where wherever she's feeling bad or or awkward mm. in a conversation, she she does it a few times throughout the film. Um, she says, "Oh, let's find
1: something funny." She never does actually. There, she never does find a joke to crack. <laughs> uh yeah and, and after, after this scene that that pretty much ends there we get Doug going to work in his record store where they're playing do the dog by the specials a band from uh where we live
2: yeah and he's, he's his colleague um a, a young dana delaney um i'm not sure what she was in i think she was in china beach the tv series uh but she's quite well known actress now um she's a, a small part and I th- did you feel like the 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 girl was flirting?
1: She with Douglas. was trying to get a bit of Douglas' dick, but he was not having so it. So
2: what? Douglas Douglas tried to tell her off for of being late to work, mm. um, and she explains that she had permission to to be late. She was getting tickets for you know, an, an, a band playing a new up and coming band, and he's not interested at all, and he's not interested in her or what she's saying. Um, so I read this as she was flirting Mm. and he was ignoring her. Yeah. Um, probably due to his sexuality. Yeah.
1: He later on, he says, he says, um, you know, some people are interested in people like that, but not me. So
2: yeah. And also the the lack of interest in modern music. Yeah. Because all he cares about is Sally Ross.
1: Yeah. So he throws a box of records on the floor, um, and makes her pick it up essentially. She she looks at her. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's
2: a weird, it's a strange scene. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure why it was in the
1: No, fire. I think it's, it's to make it clear that he's gay. Maybe. Um, so after this, uh, Sally and Bal are having a conversation and Sally asks, what are you doing tonight? And Bal says, I'm doing laundry, steamed vegetables and the late show. One of your old movies is on. Maybe I'll watch that and it'll send me to sleep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I do like about this film is that a lot of the dialogue is is quite old school. in in the sense of, like, a read like that. But at the same time, it's like something you'd
1: hear in Mean Girls. It's...
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's really... To a certain degree. (laughs) But uh, it's a cutting remark, but I I thought it was very old school, (laughs) or the very old Hollywood sort of um, remark. Um, Yeah, like like a posh... It's like a posh read. There's a lot... Yeah, there's a lot of reading. Um... It's not like, you know goes like a donkey dick. <laughs> nice. It's, you
1: know, a posh read. Uh, Douglas is making dinner for two. His sister's very worried about him. She comes round, tells him her and her parents are very really worried about him. And uh, he tells her, right now, he's having dinner with a very famous actress, star of stage and screen. And, uh, yeah, basically shuts the door in his sister's face. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. See so I, I, I think the character of Douglas is very Travis Bickle mm. uh, from Taxi Driver. Um and that's very much later on in the film as it goes. Yeah. Um But yeah, he he has these hallucinations, or you know, does does he
1: know it's not real that Sally Ross isn't actually I don't know. there I, I for think, dinner. I think he knows it's not real. I think he's just pretending in some sort of preparation for when he thinks it's actually going to happen. Oh, is is he is he, you know, trying to impress his sister? Yeah.
0: With
2: saying that you know. Um, he's clearly quite manic, um, Mm. even at this point in the film, um, but I'm not sure what he's, what he's trying to do with pretending that Sally Ross is around for, and we we're assuming Sally Ross, that Sally Ross is around for dinner. Mm. Is it, you know, is it, is he trying to impress? Is he living a dream life that he knows won't come true?
1: Yeah. I I think that's I think he is just generally obsessed with her and he's just pretending she's there. Yeah. He says here's to us, her, Sally darling, and on the next day he's spying on her, and she's on her way to the dance studio for rehearsals. Now this is when the film really gets going. So she says, "This is my first time on the musical. I'll need all the help I can get." And one guy says, "You got it." And what does she say? I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, they start rehearsing to the song you heard at the start of our episode, "A Remarkable Woman," uh, and uh, there's a bit of uh, there's some more lyrics in in this part of it in the rehearsal um, that isn't in the uh, in the final song, uh, where she says, "My opres- my professional advice is get off your mmm and go." That isn't the final. No, musical. no, she doesn't. She just says, "Inaccessible, not a bitch." No, she, bit about being fit. She kicks
2: that guy up the backside.
1: What, do you, know the, actual, do you know the
2: actual musical? I've watched
1: this a thousand times and I've not seen that.
2: Yeah. She kicks him up the bum.
1: Oh. What well, that is... Do? Uh, I, I don't recall that. Well, so. well, watch the film and let us know. <laughs> but yeah, so she's rehearsing with them. to Remarkable Woman. Uh, this say so you want to bathe in her light. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing this great dance routine. This will come up many times throughout this podcast,
2: but there is no indication as to what the plot of the musical is.
1: Yeah, the Attack of the Quay Wolf podcast covered it, and they couldn't quite figure it out either. Um, I'm not quite sure myself. We'll discuss it when we get to it and see if we can figure it out. Um, Douglas has taken a shower, and he's writing more about Baal. And uh, he thinks that uh, he and Sally will become lovers one day. So this is when he starts going into the more sexual side of things. With yeah,
2: her. So he says, we'll be lovers very soon, my darling. And I have all the necessary equipment to make you very happy. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so is this... Is this him trying to pretend? Is this another pretense? Yeah. Pretending that he is um, sexually interested in Sally Ross?
1: Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen the way he reacted to the woman in the uh, record store for flirting with him. I, I, I genuinely think this is him just trying to get her attention. I'm not sure. I've never read the novel, and
2: it's difficult to find anything online that indicates the plot of the novel. Mm. Um, I don't know if the gay stuff is in the novel or not. Yeah, it it'd be interesting because I got a feeling it was just added in after Dress to Kill*. Yeah, so if if and this is clearly hypothetical, um, not knowing the name, the 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 plot of the novel necessarily. Um, but if the gay stuff was pushed into the film, mm. is it because? You know, people would find it so unbelievable, but this young man would be sexually attracted to this older woman. (laughs) I know know it sounds, you know, laughable, but the whole film is based around... Well, Sally Ross, his character, um, feels like she's past her prime. She's too old for this, too Mm. old for this shit. Will people laugh at her? For doing this musical when she's pushing fifty, yeah. So and as Hollywood does, you know, did they think that it would be so unbelievable that Michael Bean could be sexually attracted to Lauren Bacall, mm. who is in in real life was thirty about thirty years older than him. Yeah, was that so unbelievable that they had to make him gay? It's true. And psychotic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, you got a point there. I I, I didn't really look at it like that, but that's a, good, that's a very good point. You know, because it would be...
2: But then she also has this flirtation with this much younger David character. Mm. Um. It, it's difficult. It's difficult to read um, into that, that relationship particularly with david and sally because it's never really addressed they don't kiss on the lips no but she takes them out to dinner T- twice yeah they they don't have any sort of sexual contact but we're led to believe that they're dating or potentially dating
1: and that that david but then she's here. also trying to get on that inspector ain't she? she
2: yeah there's a mild flirtation with the inspector as well she's just wanting a bit of
1: d you know she probably hasn't had any in a while Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean at this point she probably would have fucked Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> so um Belle tells Sally about the letters she's been getting. Um Sally isn't really interested. She just kind of pushed it to the side. Uh, whilst Douglas is practicing confronting his boss about uh, about his colleague who flirted with him. So this is pure
2: Travis Bickle, this this scene. Yeah. Um so he's in the mirror. He's practicing a conversation with his boss.
1: He thinks her brains are all in her tits.
2: Yeah, so he's quite um well rude about her. Yeah. This isn't so clearly he's not sexually attracted to her whatsoever, despite her trying to flirt with him earlier yeah. in the film. Um and he's trying to
1: get he's trying to get her fired, isn't he? Yeah, the, we go to the record store and they're playing Danger by the Selector whose lead singer his previous star of the podcast, Pauline Black Yes. from Funny Man, another Coventry band. Yeah, I, I don't know why this record store only plays Coventry Scar bands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're one, one scene away from playing the Coventry Market musical. And if you don't know what it is, just YouTube it. <laughs> um, thank us later. So Douglas quits and he claims that everybody applauded him when he spoke to that pig and told him about himself. Yeah. Uh, Bal writes an aggressive letter to him, basically telling him to fuck off and stop bothering him. And he is not happy with that, so he throws it in the bin.
2: Yeah, so he she gives it to him straight. She's had enough yeah. now. Um, the letters are creepy now. They're too weird. And she's like, fuck off and leave us alone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Doug goes and sits on a bench. And, and one of the m- most beautiful shots in this film which uh, speaking of Attack of the Quail one of their um, podcast members actually said this is one of his favourite shots in the film um, it is
2: incredibly out of place
1: very out of place (laughs) very very out of place I mean it's a well made film but this is like really really pretentious like (laughs) it is uh, you know just really 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 good I'm
2: assuming that um, the, the idea was to show Um, Douglas's isolation. And the shot itself is him sat on a park bench. From above. So it's a bird's eye view of him sat on a park bench, completely surrounded by other empty park benches. Yeah. Um, So it's very um, artistic. Um, It must have cost a little bit Mm. to to get the camera up that high. You know, it must have been a a fairly expensive shot. Um, But in a film like this, it's completely out of place. Yeah. Because this yeah. isn't an artistic film. He's having it's, a
1: cry. Um,
2: he's
1: having, he having a cry. He's uh, and you get his narration where he's writing another letter and he's concerned about Belle and he thinks she has lesbian tendencies.
2: Yes. Yeah. He thinks she should be sacked. So maybe this is a little indication to his self hatred mm. because of his sexuality. If if he's um, accusing Belle of being a lesbian mm. because she cares for Sally yeah. as well. Um, and using homosexuality as, you know, a, a slight insult or or something mm-hmm. uh, wrong with Belle. Um, she's so gay that she's obsessed with Sally. Yeah. And she won't let Douglas anywhere near her. Yeah,
1: realistically, that's Douglas.
2: <laughs> yeah, so Douglas is probably at least the gay character, but he's so self-hating yeah. that um, he uses that as almost an attack on Belle. Mm,
1: yeah so he uh he, he goes to the dance studio the next day, gets in the elevator uh, bow gets in as well. That's the scene where she got stuck in there uh, and he delivers a letter to uh Jack from American Whale from London. Yeah. He gets, for some reason has a really, really small cameo yeah this is, this was before um, same year same, same year.
2: year so yeah, so Griffin Dunn has a very small role in this. He just Just accepts a letter. He just accepts a letter. Um, So he gives that to Belle and says, this is for your boss. Yeah. Meaning Sally Ross. And Douglas sees this and now he knows what Belle looks like. Yeah. Who Belle is. Um, rather than just through the letters when he didn't know who the Uh, hell she was. Yeah, and and this is when
1: Sally and Belle have an actual conversation about these letters, and Sally's absolutely fuming that Belle is upsetting all of her fans.
2: Yeah, so Sally actually um, scolds Belle. I could have got some dick there, Belle, why are you pushing (laughs) them away? (laughs) But sort of for the way that she's replied, even though Belle is essentially looking out for Sally's best interests, Sally thinks he's harmless. This yeah. guy's harmless. He's a bit. He's a bit much. But they have dealt with a bit much in the past. For example, a guy that kept trying to get into a car. Mm. You know stuff like that, and um, so yeah, so it ends in an argument. But they they make up quite. Yeah, and, and she they? she
1: tells her, just just ignore his letters from now on. Yeah.
2: yeah, she she literally says just ignore him from now on. He's harmless. Yeah. Um. Us as the audience are like, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> if he was we would not be sat here watching this film
1: <laughs> and this is when David from the dance studio arrives to pick up Sally and they're going to Joan Collins's party and she is dressed in an amazing sparkly dress <laughs> I think this is the one she actually wears during Hearts Not Diamonds later on yeah she recycles great. an outfit and they're going to Joan Collins' party and Belle is going to do a bit of late night shopping but she shouldn't do it drunk so she doesn't have uh, she doesn't have a drink <laughs> Um, she goes to the subway, she goes underground, um, to get a train to do her shopping, and, uh, she goes to a store that's selling baked goods and some donuts, and when asked, did she want, to, uh, could, did she need any help? She's like, no, and walks away. I don't know why it's important we mention that, but it's just an amusing scene. Yeah. It, it's very reminiscent of Britney Spears going to get a fortune told. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, saying no thanks. I choose my own destiny. <laughs> there we go.
2: It's the only reason we fucking remember this scene.
1: Yeah, if, if again just of her YouTube eyeing it. up the donuts. Um, so she's followed by Doug while she's in the ground and uh, she's running away from him. Uh, well, not she's walking fast. I think she sense someone's behind her, and then he slashes her face with a razor.
2: Yes, yeah, so, so he uses her name as Miss Goldman. And she turns and he slashes her, is it twice across the face? Yeah, it's
1: it's very dressed to kill. Yeah,
2: and her... Yeah, yeah, it's with a straight razor. Yeah. You know, the same way that Angie Dickinson was killed um in Dress to Kill. um And he has her blood on his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he doesn't kill her. She's not dead. No. Just slashed across the face.
1: Yeah, uh, so she's in hospital. Sally and Jake go and visit her and... Uh, the next day, Belle tells Sally to remember to pay all the bills.
2: Oh, my God. Poor Maureen Stapleton. They made her look like shit. She looks <laughs> awful. She's got, yeah, she's got a couple of slashes across the face. But, like, three-quarters of her... Poor Maureen Stapleton's face is bandaged up. She's got hair poking out of here, there and everywhere. You can only see one of her fucking eyes.
1: She looks <laughs> awful, poor cow. She does. She really does. Even the scene where she's getting slashed is really not flattering at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she definitely got the rough end <clears throat> of things. Um, Sally reads Doug's letter, uh, om- admitting that he attacked Belle. And uh, he said he wants to keep their relationship a secret. So she speaks to the police. They send an the inspector in. Who has a killer mustache? Shall we add? It's been a while since we've had one of those on the air, um, and uh, he tells he, he goes to the next he goes the next day to the hospital to see Belle, and uh, he tells her about the letter admitting that it was Douglas that did it, and he keeps trying to trick her into giving him Douglas's name. But she doesn't know. She doesn't so, know. So
2: as the letters first began, he used his full name. Yeah. And then as the letters went on and they became creepier and creepier, he would just use Douglas. Mm. So she can't remember his surname, just knows that his name is Douglas.
1: Yeah, he uses a really strange method. Like, it's like, okay, what if I just ask you like this? And she's like, no, I can't remember. It's like, no. Okay, that's fine. What's his surname? Douglas what? And she's like, oh, no, no, still nothing.
2: I think it's just that thing that... I do, whenever I can't remember a name, where you go through the alphabet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know
2: if anyone else does that. Do you do that? Um,
1: no, not it, particularly.
2: It works, it works. If you can't remember the name of something, go through the alphabet, and something in the back of your mind should s- spark some recollection when you get
1: to the letter that it begins with. Cool, so thanks for that. Um, <laughs> next day, there's rehearsals for hearts not diamonds this time and uh Doug watches Sally leave and he sees her with uh, with David yeah so he gives uh, David
2: gives Sally a, a peck on the cheek mm. doesn't he um so I, I i don't i don't know what the relationship between them is meant to be Do i mean know? it might just be a gay best friend might be which you know Douglas's um, he wants that role, <laughs> and well, yeah, really, he could be envious yeah. of David. And eventually, um, after this peck on the cheek, um, David goes to the YMCA pool he does. for a swim in his wife fronts. In his wife fronts, Douglas follows him and follows him into the pool. Yeah, now me, me and Gary didn't know if Douglas was wearing his underwear. In the pool. I still think it was his underwear. Or he was wearing shorts.
1: Uh, I don't know why he'd wear...
2: I don't know why he'd wear swimming trunks. Did he know that David was going to go to the (laughs) pool? Anyway. So they end up in the pool together. David's swimming. Douglas takes his um, razor out of his shorts. Underwater. Underwater. Swims underneath David and slashes him across the front... As they're swimming. Yeah. Nobody else saw this. No. It's the packed pool in the YMCA. <laughs> Nobody else saw this. Nobody else saw Douglas leave the pool. Oh. <laughs> None of and this. No. And, and We're just left with David screaming out in agony. At a
1: very small moment where uh, we just get a detective saying that, that uh, David's still alive, basically. Yeah, so we don't just see a friend. throwaway line, just so you yeah. know he's still alive. So we
2: don't see David again. He wasn't a big part of the film. No. <laughs> um, but he didn't die. But he didn't die, no. No, he hasn't quite gone to killing.
1: Doug writes another letter about it, and he's said he's getting impatient now, and Sally has uh, Sally has to reply to him soon. She now has 24-hour protection by the police. Uh, Inspector Raphael, we find out that's his name now, he and Sally have coffee together. And uh, Sally says, he's after me now, isn't he? Well, I mean, Sally was after you to the start of the film. That's the whole plot. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um, and she so, am I safe, Inspector? And he goes, who knows? <laughs> reassuring. <laughs> Very reassuring. They have stage rehearsal, and the director is getting absolutely fuming with assy, Sally he? not going across the stage in time. Yeah, but then the lighting guy isn't going across the stage. Mm. So she's meant to be in the spotlight. Well, she can only go as quickly as the spotlight goes. That's true. So she storms off. She's had enough of him. And uh, Jake comes backstage. And she pretty much reads him to filth, really. And tells him to get out.
2: Yeah. she she, Kind of what she's getting at is that she's been so dependent on Jake. And so dependent on other people. um, in- Including Belle. Mm-hmm. You know, Belle did a lot for her. Um, she's been so dependent on other people for so long. Now she wants to be independent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so she she's feeling, she's feeling lonely, but maybe it's about time she felt lonely so she can stand up for herself and do things for herself. So
1: she solves this in the next scene by having dinner with the inspector. <laughs> yeah. With Raphael. <laughs> But in this scene, though, she she's sort of saying
2: she wants to be independent and, you know, she, she's lonely, but she needs to be in it for herself and she needs to kick up the arse and, mm-hmm. and all that, um, which in any other film would be, you know, wonderful, Yeah. you know. Um, but then she has to end it by explaining that she's also got a psycho killer. <laughs> so, so, and this is the problem with the film is that half the film and I enjoyed the film but half the film is this tale of an aging actress and then the other half is about is a slasher film so she's done this lovely scene with James Garner and she's acting right to the out bless her uh, about you know their relationship and her relationship with herself but she has to end it by explaining that she's got a potential killer <laughs> yeah as <laughs> well so all her problems with her ex, they kind of go out the window by yeah. the end. Because, yeah, someone is potentially going to kill her. Yeah. Or, or kill the people that she loves around her. It's never explained...
1: I mean, James Garner's never in danger, is he? He isn't, no. I, I, then Douglas never really sees them two together. No. Which is quite convenient. Yeah. Um, but he does go to a house next. So we've got the housekeeper. She's doing a daily job. And uh, Douglas comes out of the closet, like, launches out the closet at her and kills her. So this is what we mentioned earlier. He, he only starts killing people once he comes out of the closet. Yes, essentially. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's intentional,
2: but he was hidden in the apartment in the closet. With everything
1: house. I mean, it wouldn't surprise he me. He breaks
2: down those walls and, uh, yeah, ends up killing um, the cleaner.
1: And this one is. Did we get a name for the cleaner? No. She was only
2: in one of a scene. Yeah. uh, Early on in the
1: film. He's absolutely fuming, so he starts slashing at a painting, smashing up a photo frames. uh, Turns the place upside down. Sally comes home with a detective, a new detective, uh, who acts like an absolute action hero. She Slowly pulls a gun out. (laughs) Slowly pulls a gun out, puts it near her face. He's like, wait here. And so she uh, makes her way through, looking for him. And. Sally has a new letter from uh, Douglas that reads. I'm assuming it's left there. Yeah, yeah. because we're just getting the narration. Yeah. And he says, Dearest bitch, how would you like to be fucked with a meat cleaver? (laughs) 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 Um, No thanks. (laughs) So, yeah, this is he's, he's had it now. He he doesn't want to fuck her. He doesn't want to stand her. He just wants to kill her. Um, he wants to fuck her with a meat cleaver.
2: So now he's completely psychotic. Yeah. You know, his repressed homosexuality <laughs> has come out the closet, yeah. literally, and um, because he's so repressed, he's yeah. now a crazy
1: killer who wants to fuck people with meat cleavers. Apparently so. Um, I mean, he doesn't even use a meat cleaver to kill people, so... Uh, <laughs> No, no, it doesn't. no. <laughs> um, he doesn't know. He call. He actually calls Sally that night, and uh, he says he wants to kiss her. He wants to touch her. He wants to make love to her, and she just puts the phone down on him. <laughs>
2: why was? Why was the cleaner allowed to be left alone in the apartment? Oh yeah. <laughs> Obviously, this crazy guy knows the address. Yeah. Because all the letters got sent. Uh-huh.
1: Why would she have ever been allowed to be alone there? (laughs) Because he needed an extra kill to make it into a slasher film. This is bad policing. (laughs) So, Sally goes missing the next day. And uh, Douglas is watching a report about it on TV. And he turns the TV off of his toe. And he does yeah For Ill. Some
2: yeah ill very Quentin Tarantino uh,
1: so Sully is drinking and smoking living her best life in her beach house secluded away from everybody yeah so this
2: again if this was a normal drama, this would be her getting to grips with her loneliness mm-hmm. and learning to You know, enjoy just being her and and herself and not having to rely on anybody else. Because this is the fan, this is her learning
1: (laughs) to be herself and by herself because a man's trying to kill her. (laughs) Yeah. Shall we write to Ed Bianchi and demand the Sally Ross (laughs) cut? Yeah, (laughs) Right, Michael Bean's is just completely cut out of the film, and it's just her story.
2: <laughs> Do you know if this was just a story of Sally Ross preparing for a musical? <laughs> never say never. Preparing for Never Say Never. Did I? I mean, it would practically be a remake of um, Opening Night. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with a musical, I I'd watch the shit out of it. Oh yeah. I I would be I would be there front row. At the cinema, wait.
1: <laughs> it's not too late. We can make the Sally <laughs> Ross cut. Um, we'll demand it on Twitter. I'm sure people will join in. Um, so this is when we get the gay bar scene. So there's a guy in there who actually looks like Doug. Yeah, like really looks like but him. But that's important, though, yeah. to why he does this. So he, he really looks like him. They, uh they have a little bit of a flirt. And uh, the other guy gives Doug the signal to leave with him. So they uh they go to the rooftop of where Doug lives and uh, the guy goes down on Doug, starts giving him a blowjob, and Doug just he has his knife flying around somewhere conveniently and kills him.
2: Yeah, so the, the guy that Douglas kills is um doesn't speak. He's just a nameless gay guy. Yeah. From a gay bar. Um Obviously, it's going to take no time for him to give Doug a blowy. Yeah. Because, that, isn't that what gay guys are all like? Have you <laughs> been to Rainbow's <laughs> no, on a Friday night? But, but <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but I mean... <laughs> but I mean, there's no exchanging of words. It's an exchange of one look. Mm. And obviously, this guy's going to go with Douglas. Yeah. You know... Obviously, he's going to put himself in a position where he can get murdered on Mm -hmm. someone's rooftop, Um, which, I don't know, maybe I'm being a little too... No,
1: it is very careless. There's not a lot of thought gone into it. No. Um, In fact, I think the audience has probably put more thought into it than the director ever did. But, I mean, it's, it's... Worth watching for a modern audience for, yeah. uh, as a warning sign for hookups, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You hear, you're hearing the news plenty of times about people who've gone on grinder and been murdered. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, But I, th- I think in terms of the film, maybe this is Douglas finally being gay. Yeah. And because um, he's enjoying it.
1: Yeah. Up, up until the point where he kills the guy. Yeah, because Sally Ross has gone. Yeah. She's She's gone That As far as he, he's aware, she's missing. So she's out of the picture. But he's trying to lure her back. Yeah, he's trying to lure um, her back. But up until that point before we know that, you know, we just see him. She's gone out of his life now and he's given in to his homosexual desires. Yeah, so th- this is
2: him essentially giving in to his homose- homosexuality. And... But... He seems to be enjoying it, mm. but do you, do you think that as a self-hating gay... Yeah. The, the reason why he chose to lure someone in sexuality mm. is so that he... Uh, sexually, excuse me, is so that he could punish them by killing them. I know it's a means to an end... Yeah. Because after this, he burns the body... Yeah. And leaves a note... Um Pertaining to the fact that the burnt body is Douglas, who has committed suicide.
1: Yeah. But then, at the same time, this is him picking someone who looks like him and then killing this person. So, essentially, it is him punishing himself. Yeah. And he pretends it's him that started. Yeah. So, I think, yeah. But,
2: th- but then, but people don't know what Douglas looks like. No. But it's a burnt body. So, that person could have looked like anything. Yeah. You know, if you're setting that yeah. body on so fire... that's why I think
1: it's purposeful that he, he got someone that looks like himself because it could be seen as him self-hating again. self hatred yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Um
2: maybe we're looking way too deeply <laughs> into this, but I thought it was an interesting yeah. aspect um that you know he didn't he didn't randomly kill a homeless man or no. or you know somebody no one would miss. I mm-hmm you know i'm assuming whoever it was in the gay bar would be missed that's yeah. never touched upon on the fil- in the film um but the fact that he kills somebody whilst um indulging in you know homosexual activities mm-hmm. i think that means a lot more yeah I um, think so. but also obviously that's what makes it a little more problematic yeah that Of course he's a self-hating gay. That's why he's psychotic. Yeah. You know?
1: So, he leaves a trace to his apartment. The inspector goes there, finds all the pictures of Sally Ross everywhere and the typewriter. Jake goes to the beach house to tell Sally about it, that Douglas is apparently dead. And they go on a romantic beach walk. (laughs) And they reminisce about playing Scrabble and drinking gin fizzers. I want a gin fizzle. I a gin fizz? I have no idea. But uh, it's, it's a very romantic walk. You get some cheesy music with it.
2: Dude.
1: It, it is honestly like a, a TV soap, this scene. But well, it is. It's a romantic drama. <laughs> if, if the gay part scene didn't just happen, this went straight off from her secluded herself, <laughs> then this would be a lovely, you know, romantic moment to the story. They finally realise <laughs> what they've
2: been missing since they've been divorced. That, you know, being together... Um, Despite the hardships in the relationship, is worth it. You know what a beautiful moment where they've come together on yeah. the beach. Uh, they're reminiscing, but they're also rekindling that romance. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, how how lovely. You know, <laughs> just not in this film. <laughs> just not after somebody's on the just not after somebody's just had their throat slit whilst giving a blowy. <laughs>
1: Jake is so romantic that he does a lovely gesture for her next, doesn't he? <laughs> so what Jake does is pick up Belle. Takes Belle out of hospital. <laughs> so no, well, Belle's
2: all recovered now. She's looking herself. <laughs> she's, she's not covered in bandages. <laughs> um, not a single mark <laughs> on <cut> her face. <laughs> not, no, no, not a scar, not anything. Um, and she brings in Sally's breakfast in bed <laughs>
0: Plung surprise!
2: Sit down, surprise. Jake picked me up so that I could surprise you <laughs> and make you fucking breakfast. This woman not been through enough. Somebody should be making her fucking breakfast, the poor
1: cow. She seems to enjoy it anyway. Sally is over the moon with us. She's like, oh my god, you're alive, you're well in good health and whatever. And uh, Bal's like, Jake's really nice, you should marry him. Oh, no, yeah. hang on, forget I said that. But anyway, and she just like goes on about fucking God knows what for about five minutes. Uh, okay, she's talking about everything that she
2: needs to... So, uh, eat your breakfast and get your ass out of bed. Um, <laughs> well, she's kind of lounging at the bottom of the bed. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's kind of, like, lying down, like, trying to
1: look sexy. So, maybe Douglas had a point earlier in the film. Um, so... After this, it is the opening night of Never Say Never,
0: yes.
1: the musical starring Sally Ross. Woo. Jake brings her flowers. Oh, yeah. She tells him she's over him. She's thought about it, but we find out he's broke up with Little Red Riding Hood, Heidi, and he wants her back, and they have a kiss. Yeah. Now, this is where we get into the musical. Uh, we receive a Remarkable Woman, which you heard at the start of the episode, now, uh, this app that we use to record the podcast, only let's have three audio clips on here. So, we've got the best ones. So, after Remarkable Woman, we get one about being in Paris. It doesn't make any sense. And there's a guy uh, performing it, you know, lip-syncing to Sally Ross's singing. And then we get this one, which we'll play for you now, and it's called Hot Love Baby Tonight. So yeah so that's uh hot love baby tonight and uh, it ends on uh this song the the razzie nominated hearts not diamonds now the whole song goes on for like three minutes so we've got roughly a minute of it to show you um take over on the best part of the song so we'll play that for you now
2: No, let up what
1: it hurts, no diamonds, I've had
0: enough champagne, I don't care if I don't fly around the world again, but oh, it's not that easy, I don't know where to start,
2: I've played with diamonds for so long.
1: It's hard to recognize a heart. I'll give you hearts, not
0: diamonds. And all you have to be is quieter than the world tonight. Keep me from the noise and light. Keep your diamonds. Hold on tight to me.
1: So, yeah, that's uh, a clip of uh, Hearts Not Diamonds. <laughs> so, let's try and decipher this musical. So, it's called Never Say Never. Yeah. Uh, we start off with uh, with uh, Sally Ross, who is wearing this amazing silver suit that wouldn't look out of place in High School Musical, and uh, I had to go with it. And they think about how she's a remarkable woman, she's ten and a half out of ten, um, she's inaccessible, not a bitch. Uh, she's not taking anyone home unless they're incredibly fit. Then she goes to Paris. Still no idea what she's singing about in that scene. Then she's in bed and she's getting hot love baby tonight until she realizes the dancers are gay. Then she's getting no love baby tonight. And then she sparks up a cig and she wants hearts, not diamonds wearing her sparkly dress from when she went to Joan Collins's party. As you heard in that song, they talk about how they can't believe she never gets any satisfaction. Um, she's incurably hot, and she's uh, had enough champagne. So, what do you uh, what do you think the plot is of uh, Never Say Never?
2: So I think Never Say Never uh, follows the plot of the fan, the film, and Sally Ross's story, not including the psycho killer. <laughs> so what i believe is that she is a remarkable woman everybody she loves her yeah ten and mm-hmm. a half out of 10. you know she's been a hollywood actress broadway actress you know she's had great success including a, a, some time spent in paris
1: <laughs> that
2: might be a stretch
1: um even though it was a, a guy dressed as a cop that was uh, lip syncing that scene for her. Yeah,
2: but still, she's spent a little time <laughs> in Paris during her great success. Um, she's, she's had some great loves, Baby Tonight, and she's also had nights with no love. And all, all she's had is her gay fans. Yeah, Yeah. so No Love Baby Tonight, but just <laughs> the love and admiration. Because she wasn't too upset about no, no Love Baby Tonight. Just the love and admiration. She just gives it looks and would like, say, oh, well, here we go again. So I <laughs> think that she tried it on with David and David said no. And that's a representation of that. And then Hearts Not Diamonds is her coming to terms with, you know, the fact that she has these great success. She's got this lovely apartment. She's got a beautiful beach house. You know, she's got all of that. But what is it without hearts, without yeah. love? She's got these diamonds. She's, you know, whatever she wants, she gets apart from real, mm. true love. Keep and your so, diamonds. And so, yeah, keep your diamonds. <laughs> and she, she's singing it to James Garner, Jake, uh, I do remember his name. She's singing it directly to him and saying, you know, I don't. Need all of this. All I want is your love, and I've. It's taken me a while to realize that, but now I finally know. Wow!
1: Because the musical ends on that. It does. <laughs> um, so I'm assuming. I'm just upset that this wasn't turned into a full musical because I'd have loved to watch the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. It's. I think. The production if... value is amazing. The costumes are amazing.
2: It, it looks futuristic as.
1: It some does. Part. It <laughs> does. I'm. i I'm, I'm still not sure why she was in Paris. Um, for part of it. Um, I mean, you, you even get a guy to start asking her, "Oh, what are you doing after?" It's like, um, not seeing you. Yeah. Like why? Why <laughs> is, is that there awesome. for? <laughs> that um, isn't even part of it. <laughs>
2: That's backstage. No, we. Um, did a little bit of research, watched a few YouTube videos, a few reviews, and in in one of them, I'm not saying any names. Two um, of them. No, one of th- in one of them, they said that Lauren Bacall isn't a singer. I know. How fucking dare you? Which I thought was very harsh. Mm. Um, I, I, she's not. She's not fucking Mariah Carey bouting out <laughs> the high notes. Um, but she
1: does a good job of singing. Yeah? Yeah. I, I love the music, because it's my favourite part of the film. <laughs> yeah. We've watched that countless times. We uh, have,
2: actually. There is a YouTube video, um, what two of them that put together all the musical yeah. sections
1: of the film. Yeah. Um, uh, and also, please don't sue us for using uh, Hearts Not Diamonds for so long. Um, I'm assuming <laughs> that they can't, can they? I, I, I think it we'll would be okay. Just oh no, Don't no, no gonna... um, <laughs> so, report us, thank uh, you. Um going to report us? Douglas, whilst this uh, amazing musicals going on, Douglas goes to the theatre, but we're not really interested in that cause we're watching a musical. It gets a... in everyone's
2: way. I am a little bit interested in that. Because he's clearly got a fucking ticket.
1: Yeah, he arrives late. Why the fuck is he arriving during the last song? I know he missed all the best bits. And
2: and yeah, I don't fucking get it. Why was he not in the audience the whole time? Mm. It,
1: it's he's he's a fucking fake fan. I mean, like <laughs> no, no, you can't that's... you can't like her that much, can he? If he didn't want to watch the whole thing, well, that's just rubbish filmmaking.
2: Like I I don't understand why could you not have. Him getting ready, yeah, with the, you want us to see him getting ready. But why does it have to be during the musical? <laughs> he sees half of the last song. Yeah. And
1: he, he gets up and starts applauding with the rest of yeah. everyone. <laughs> But he looks like he can't bear it when he's sitting there. He's like rubbing his face constantly. He looks like he's had enough of it. <laughs> he looks like he's having a terrible time. He, he wasn't enjoying it as much but as then we at were. the
2: end, he finally realises what he's
1: just seen and, and how groundbreaking yeah. and wonderful that was. And she takes three bows at the end of it. Um, one on her own, one with the cast, and another one on her own. Um, she's loving it. Everyone comes backstage, tells her how great she Oh, thank you, darling. Thank you. Oh, I'll see you later. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, she tells uh, her new assistant, who's replaced the uh, housekeeper that's been killed. No, no, this is like a wardrobe assistant. Oh, okay, this, this, this might a be a runner. F- yeah, okay.
2: this, is, this is a very theatre-specific, <laughs> because
1: she said she's worked with her for years. Yeah, she tells her she's going to conquer the world, and she feels terrific.
2: Yeah, so very conveniently... Everybody that used to go to this party, <laughs> yeah. apart from Sally, this wardrobe assistant, and a guy called Pop, who I'm assuming is the caretaker of the theatre. He's theater, the caretaker amongst the, of Slash it. security. Yeah. So. Um, so very conveniently, there's only three people left in the whole theatre. Yeah. Straight away after the, the uh, musical's finished.
1: Sally's getting ready for the after show party. And she's put a lovely gold dress on. She's doing her makeup. Doug kills both the wardrobe assistant and the caretaker. And then he confronts Sally at last. He comes face to face with her and they have a staring match for about a minute. <laughs> yeah. um, they start having a chase around the theatre. Sally smacks him in the face with a handbag. So Sally is a wonderful
2: final girl. Yes. Uh, or final lady, should I say. Um, because when she runs past something that could be used as a weapon, she actually picks the fucking thing yeah. up.
1: And uses it, yeah. but then drops it. So, Well, he starts whipping her um, and going on about how much she loves her and whatever. And then she says to him, you're pathetic. You talk like the animal you are. And she's absolutely had it by this stage. So he has a cry. Uh, he hugs her and begs her to love him, which I think is a very interesting uh, thing, considering everything we've, you know, took out of this film. Uh, and the thing I said about him, one, an acceptance. He basically begs her to love him.
2: Yeah, and and sort of um, free him from not only his sexuality, but also free him from his loneliness. Yeah. But she's, she's like, nah, fuck
1: off. And she stabs him in the throat. And then uh, she leaves him dead in the theatre. Uh, voiceover of him reading out his first letter to her. And uh, she... Slowly walks out of the theatre. That's the end of the film. Yeah. So so he basically...
2: He's saying that he's ignored her. She doesn't care about her fans. She doesn't care about him. Um, Which is, you know, interesting. Because when he was with somebody who cared about him, Mm -hmm. his sister, he couldn't give two shits. No. Um, I think it's this idea of being close to greatness. Yeah. Um, gives you a reflected greatness. hmm You know, everybody wants to be friends or familiar with these people. And he's probably... Um, I'm probably giving him a backstory now. But he's probably gone to New York mm-hmm. with all these expectations... And he's just end up a lonely guy. Yeah. Hating himself because of his sexuality. Working in a record store where no one takes him seriously. Mm -hmm. And so that affinity to greatness. And Sally Ross was his um, target. But it it could have been anyone. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, But Sally Ross was his target. And because he felt that she had you know wronged him had ignored him that's when he acted out yeah that and because of his repressed sexuality Mm -hmm. um which is an interesting concept which i think maybe other films have dealt with better
1: yeah i think so
2: um but I... Overall, I enjoyed yeah, the film. Yeah, it, it's a great film. It's camp. It's silly. I was entertained for an hour and a half.
1: Even if you don't want to watch the film, just watch the musical on YouTube. Just watch the
2: musical just... part. I mean, Lauren Bacall is a wonderful actress. Um, she's got charisma. Maureen Stapleton has a lot of charisma. Mm. Um you know nobody does a bad job of acting. They, no. they don't. Even Michael Bean in his first sort of major role mm. in film, he he doesn't actually do a bad job. No. Um, yeah, the film's slightly problematic now. Looking back at it, um, I said to you, didn't I? And I must apologize to you, uh, when you suggested the fan, I I said, oh, you know, is there much to talk about in terms mm-hmm. of, gay representation? Yeah and then watching the film i'm like you know again and really looking mm-hmm. at it in terms of representation and you know um all that business it was like oh wow this is yeah. steeped you know um but yeah i i recommend watching it yeah
1: absolutely it, it it is one that's worth watching, even if it's just for, you know, a camp enjoyable film. You know, even if you don't look into it like that, it, it is just enjoyable.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously we do a podcast, we 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 talk about these films for an hour, hour and a half. Maybe we go a little more in depth than it was ever intended to. Um, but it's it's there. Watch it, leave your brain at at the at the window <laughs> or at the yeah. door. Uh, and just enjoy an hour and a half of, you know, Sally Ross playing the game.
1: Yeah, uh, if you've already seen it, then let us know on the socials. Uh, we are of course Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe. You have listening on iTunes, like, and follow on everything else. I'm Gazmo Two Hundred and Five on Instagram, gazcruise Ninety Two on Twitter, and Dead Up Ninety Two on Letterbox. I am Chris Barker Eight Two Three
2: on Instagram, Letterbox and Twitter.
1: And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.